Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. Hey, welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. Uh, I want to, uh, before we you know, jump in here and meet our guest, I want to share some uh, things that are going on that are really exciting uh, in 2020. Fictional Authenticity, my book, is out there. You can grab it on Amazon. It's selling really well. I'm getting amazing feedback on it. And if you've read it, please share your feedback with me. I'm loving hearing it. And if you don't like it, I mean, I would love some constructive criticism. Uh, be gentle. But I am working on my next book. So anything I can learn from the experience of writing this one is obviously helpful. I, I obviously write books because I love to write. But I also am writing because I want to have an impact. And it's a great way to have an impact. So if there's a way that I can better impact you as a reader or as a listener to this podcast, please feel free to share and reach out. Uh, I, I, in the show notes, it always has my email, but it's alex at thedreammason.com. Fictional authenticity, the course. So I know that there's a lot of people out there that would love to dive in and experience coaching, or maybe there's people that want therapy. I'm not a therapist. I don't want to confuse it, but there's people that want consultants. They want therapy. They want coaches, and maybe they're unwilling. Maybe they're not willing to step in. Maybe you're not a big reader. I created Fictional Authenticity, the course, because I wanted to create something that was accessible for people at a, at a lower buy-in. It's, it's a self-driven uh, or self-guided course, so you can do it at your own pace, fast or slow. Uh, there's opportunities with that course right now that you can actually get some one-on-one -on -one work with me, which is really limited. It's not going to last as that course goes on. But if you go to thedreammason.com, you can check out Fictional Authenticity, the course. I'm really excited about it. It's my first one. What else is going on? Um, wow, I mean, we're living in a, in a world that is really, uh, man, I want to say um, really captivated by fear right now. And I think the thing that I want to share about this uh, is I I do some, uh, I'm part of these great networking groups and and that's actually how I met, how I've been introduced to our guest today. But one of the things I was talking about with my networking group this week was how fear creates drama in our lives. And whether it be fear of the coronavirus or fear of the economy or a president you do or don't like, whatever it is, or the media or some other disease that shows up or, I don't know, bad traffic in your area where you live, all these things, they, they are real, you experience them, but they're also dramatic. And if you notice the drama of all of them, 
is a distraction. It's not to say that you shouldn't be prepared, that you shouldn't have water and an earthquake kit and a first aid kit in case there's an earthquake. Or, you know, if you live in a place where there's hurricanes and tornadoes, have a plan for that or have, you know, some food if, if there were to be some outbreak that you couldn't leave your house. But those things aren't limiting. It's not limiting to have a plan. It's not limiting to have beans and water in your house. You get to still live your life. What is limiting is when we let the fear decide how we're going to live. And I got to have a really cool conversation with this, with my networking group yesterday about how fear is dictating how we live, which is preventing how we live our lives. Now, these things draw it out and we can see it on a magnified scale, but where's fear actually driving how you live and what you're not doing? Fear of failure, fear of what people are going to think of you. And I just offer that as with the world and the world and all the drama of the world right now in the space to take a look at how you're living. Are you living from fear? Are you living from fun? Are you living from adventure, excitement? Where are you coming from? And I'm somebody who's just not willing to like live from fear. So if things happen, they happen, but I want to be out there living my life. And, and I think it continues to evolve because fear is part of who we are. And I think it's our job if we want to live full and complete lives to notice the fear and try to keep peeling back layers of it. I'm going to stop there because you want to meet our guest. Our guest today is a entrepreneur, a very successful entrepreneur, a driven entrepreneur, a woman who has a business that is now international. I was introduced to her by a woman in a networking group. And what she said to me is like, you need to meet this woman. She is a badass entrepreneur. She has started something that is thriving, um, that is a little different, and she's someone that really provides value to the people that interact with her and the people that use her, um, I don't want to call it a product, but uh, her entrepreneurial creations, let's say. Um, she's also someone who she shared with me was hit by a fire truck and that we'll talk about a little about that, but that she was resilient and came back from breaking so many bones and, and probably almost dying. My guest today owns Hera Hub. Hera Hub is a workspace for women. Women. Uh, it's in San Diego. It's also international. But it is something that people are getting excited about, which is how it got brought to my attention. And I want really her to tell us more about it and the impact it's having on women, on entrepreneurship, on communities. Felina Hansen, welcome to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me, Alex. How are you? I am awesome. Thank you. I'm, all, I'm always curious because you got to listen to me talking about fear before we even dive in and like kind of share more about who you are and what you do and about Hera Hub and all the amazing things you're up to. Did anything like resonate? Is there anything you want to can contribute or want to contribute to that? You don't have to, but. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, I'm an eternal optimist and I, I guess you could say maybe I just got lucky. Um, <laughs> and that's just in my DNA or how I was raised. I'm not even sure, but, um, shit happens to all of us throughout our life at different periods and, you know, things come and go. Um, those things don't define us. We have a choice to be who we want to be and behave how we want to behave. Everything in life is a choice. So, um, I agree things. I woke up Monday morning and I was like, Holy heck, what happened? 
Um, but this uh, will pass, of course, and uh, we will keep plugging along and I will keep, you know, helping women launch and grow their business <laughs> no matter what, however we, we can do that. And, and you've, so you've been recognized and I want to say acknowledged like all over the place. You've gotten attention from uh, INC or I don't know how they say, do they say INC or Inc? Inc, 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 Inc magazine, Inc magazine yeah. uh, BBC, <laughs> Bloomberg, Entrepreneur, uh, Mashable, the New York Times. You've gotten awards from San Diego Business Journal, the National Association of Women's Business Owners, um, San Diego Small Business Associ- Association. I mean, I mean, I can go on and on. There, there's like a list. How did? How do you think that your this internal optimist has supported you to have the impact that you're having? Yeah, you know, I think. It- it has to do with just the inherent traits of being an entrepreneur. Um, to be an entrepreneur, to come up with something, bring it into the world, you know, grow it, takes grit, basically. Um, that's what I learned growing up. My father's a small business owner. He owns the same small business I grew up in up on the central coast of California, San Luis Obispo County. I just watched him work so incredibly hard but also had this very rebellious sort of attitude about him. My mom is the exact same. So my story, um, the book that I wrote a few years ago, you know, starts off with, you know, the word rebel. Um, and that's, that's how I grew up. I think it's just innate in me. And what I take into entrepreneurship is you're going to hit barriers. You're going to hit obstacles you've just got to be willing to figure it out. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I love the entrepreneurial spirit and that's why I built a business to help entrepreneurs. We, it's a co-working space and business accelerator. We're female focused. We're not exclusive to women. We have some awesome gentlemen that hang out with us as well, (laughs) (laughs) but the environment is uh, what we call spa inspired workspace. So you walk in, there's nice music playing, there's aromatherapy candles, there's running water, it smells good, it's beautiful, it's this very warm, welcoming environment, and uh, a lot of co-working spaces, although great spaces, you know, they have more of an industrial, kind of hipster sort of look to them, which is super cool, but not everybody wants that environment, some people want something different, and so that's what I've created coupled with a business accelerator. What's been the biggest challenge or obstacle for you in this process of creating, you know, it's, it's a a brick and mortar, right? It's like so many people are creating online businesses these days and you're supporting people like right on the ground in their communities. What's been the biggest challenge? Commercial real estate. (laughs) So I started the business nine years ago. I had no idea, um, just even how to go about leasing a space. So prior to launching Hera Hub, I had a marketing company for eight years, a company called Perspective Marketing. Uh, and I worked virtually. Uh, I'd go see my clients in their spaces. Um, I didn't need a full-time workspace for myself. Um, but was turned on to this concept of co-working spaces, more collaborative open spaces back in 2010. 
And um, I just fell in love with the idea of, to your point, creating community on the ground, like elbow to elbow, bringing people together. Because you're right, we have so many great things online. But, uh, you know, despite the coronavirus and everybody like, you know, hiding in their homes at the very moment, uh, you know, we need human interaction. We need that connection. And so building these spaces that, again, are warm and welcoming and a place people want to be, they feel good when they're there. And then layering in this education, mentoring, support, resources um, was really, really important to me to kind of swing the pendulum, if you will. Like, yes, the online world is important, but yes, we also need to see each other face to face as well. Yeah, that's it. I, I love that point. I I work from home and I have joined like random little places along the way to try out other things. And mm-hmm. while I've never been in, I love that you said a spa inspired workplace. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, oh, that sounds amazing. Um, what I what I found, and I'm curious how it impacts people, is there's drawbacks to being at home, whether it be like however you have a setup, right? Like sometimes you're alone, it's isolating. Um, there might be lots of home kind of distractions. What I found is that when I went into places, I got distracted by a lot of the other people that were there. Like now all of a sudden I didn't have only my distractions. I was being sucked into other people's distractions. How does it, and and then there's benefits, right? I get to network, you get to connect with people. There are benefits. How do you, um, how do you think people like at Hera Hub, how do you guys create environments that really facilitate like getting, getting things done, accomplishing goals, having people have it not just turn into a place where people are hanging out because it feels so good to be there? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So it's, we do everything we do is purposeful. So it's not only the space itself that is laid out in a way that if you want to be heads down focused, you go in the quiet room, for example, no talking, no music, no anything. It is just totally quiet. Um, if you want to be more in a environment that's, there's a little more movement and maybe, you know, a bit of chatting here or there, uh, you go in the main co-working space. Um, so there's different places you can physically sit based on the environment that you want. In addition, we have a ton of programming events, workshops. A lot of it is member led gurus who are subject matter experts that donate their time to the community. So that is purposeful in that these are the times and places that you interact and these are the times and places that your head's down focused. So we do even workshop, we have a writer's lounge. So it's two hours, head's down focused, get your writing done. Like make a commitment at 12 o'clock and we don't let you out of your chair until 2 p.m. (laughs) until you're finished with what you said you were going to do in that two hour period of time. I'm teasing a little, but you know, really helping entrepreneurs with, you know, accountability and structure, because you're right, when you work for yourself, and you wake up every single morning, and you're like, I can do anything today. (laughs) Sometimes that can be daunting, especially for new entrepreneurs. Uh, What do you do, like, personally? Because you're not, I'm I'm, I'm assuming you tell me, I don't know where you work. You don't do work out of Hera Hub most days? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm there really almost every day. Um, ironically, I'm, I do have a, um, a recording studio in my house and I'm there today. Um, but as soon as I'm done, you know, I will go into the office. I, I bounce between our locations. We have three in San Diego, Mission Valley, Serena Valley, Carlsbad. 
We're in Irvine. We just opened in Temecula last week. We're in Phoenix, Washington, D.C., and Sweden, and working on several other locations as well. So I love to travel. I bounce around uh, and, you know, have that opportunity to meet new members, host workshops. Um, I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> how do you personally stay focused? Like, how do you, I, the things that I'm thinking of is what I notice is, some people are really good at like the big vision, like the long game, and they get they lose the little details. And then I notice that there's a lot of other people that are really good at the little details, but they don't see the big vision. How do you? It sounds like you're doing both because you have these. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. So again, I was I'm the marketing girl, right? Mm -hmm. Like my background is in sales and marketing, and so I really had to learn with this business over the last nine years how to fall in love with operations. And once uh, it was actually my first hire in the business was a young woman right out of college, but she's wicked smart. She's still with me. And she really built the operational structure of our business because to duplicate a business, you have to have really rock solid operation plans and documentation and all of that. So just falling in love with software and systemization. I also have like an army of virtual assistants that really help with a lot of those details. So yes, I'm more of a big picture, more creative, visionary type uh, personality. Um, but you know, I I don't mind because I know I have to get into the weeds and look at the PL every month and study that and make sure nothing is off and you know, make sure that our systems and operations are working with my team. So it's all about team. I had to do it on my own. Yeah, I'd still be sitting in my spare bedroom. <laughs> I want to that you just brought up something that I know I've found challenging, and it sounds like you've had a lot of success with it. So I'm curious what I can learn, but also I'm sure other people have. I I'm really good at executing things on my own, and if you want to scale a business, you can't scale on your own. You have to start. Mm -mm. You know, have other people do things, and it sounds like you've had a lot of success with like VAs and getting team support. What's been the thing? that has um, helped you do that, like empower these people, train these people? Like what have you done so that, because VAs don't always work out, right? You don't, you're not with them in person, that you don't, there's lots of reasons, right? even in person people don't always work out. But what's, what do you think you've done to empower these people around you to really be able to support you? So I look at everything that comes my way, look at everything in my business as I'm the bottleneck. And my job is to get it off my plate as soon as possible. So, I mean, not to get too granular, but my email inbox, for example, like I live in that try to get to zero world. I'm not saying every day I get to zero, but, you know, maybe once a month I get to zero. It is, everything's a hot potato. I've got to get it off my plate. And then that process of assigning it to somebody else, to your point, VAs can be challenging but you, like I screencast everything. Everything is documented. I'm like constantly have my headphones plugged into my laptop and I just loom everything that I, that I need to. Sometimes even replying to emails from somebody that, you know, maybe has a detailed email, I will just loom it on and throw it back to them. It saves so, so much time. So just that system structure process of, how do I get this off my plate efficiently in a way that I can trust that it's being done? And then I'm seeing the loop close or the circle close, whatever you want to say, to make sure that that's being followed through and building that structure in. 
Are there, if you know, if I were to sit down in front of you, like we're remote right now, and I said, what what are like a couple things I could be doing right now that would improve my ability to build a team? Do you have like some specific, like, hey, focus on this, do this? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an attitude almost because I work with other entrepreneurs in this process. So I've had my VA for almost five years, my full-time VA, and I have other VAs. But Mary Rose, my VA in the Philippines, has worked with me for almost five years. And so I, you know, part of the process at Harahub, one of the programs that we offer is helping entrepreneurs go through this very process. And what I see of them is they don't want to, I always say, step off the treadmill. They say they're too busy to actually delegate. And part of it is they're scared probably as well, but you have to pause. You have to be willing to step off the treadmill for an hour a day, for a month to slow down and build processes. And again, using screencasting, uh, again, I use Loom. It's a Chrome extension. I love it. It's super simple and easy to just, you know, share things. But I, you know, I was advising an entrepreneur out in Florida, a young woman who owns this printing company. She's got 50 employees. She took it over. It's a family business. She's so overwhelmed. Like every time I talk to her, she's just freaking out. She can't keep an assistant. And I'm like, Lane, you just have to start to teach people how you think. And the easiest way to do that, example, her email inbox, she has like, 20,000 emails in her inbox. She has no idea where anything is. She's constantly searching for things. Like you have to slow down and say, this is the way I think. Document it so you can train somebody else how to kind of get that off your plate, if you will. Nice. What's the big vision? I know we, you just told me, you know, Harahub is in, I think you listed at least six or seven cities and another country. What's the big giant pie in the sky? Like we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. So, um, we, yeah, we have eight locations right now. We're working on several other cities. Um, the, 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 the big hairy audacious goal is to help 20,000 women launch their business thus far in the last nine years, we've supported over 13,000 women, um, in a variety, so both through the co-working space, through some of our programs, I wrote a book that has an online platform called Steps to Startup. So we've had uh, about 1,300 people go through that program online. Um, so a variety of ways we're supporting entrepreneurs, um, but 20,000 is the number. So we ha- we have a bit to go, but I'm hoping to accelerate that through. Uh, a couple of joint ventures that that we've been exploring, uh, one of which is in the world of mall space. Um, so taking this female-focused co-working concept into malls is something that we've been exploring. Um, so really, really excited about expansion, but also growing smart. Because again, I told you my biggest challenge in the business has been commercial real estate it's such an outdated industry, uh, just, you know, brokers and just the whole system is just, I mean, that's why we work has succeeded. I know they had a big, uh, issue towards the end of last year when they tried to IPO, but they have really disintermediated the commercial real estate market, um, which needed to happen. It, it's just such an archaic industry. Can we talk about you? I want to, I want to 
twist this a little or turn turn the steering wheel a little and talk about sure. the the fire truck because um, <laughs> I mean you mentioned it to me I saw it you know and um, like you don't hear every day we were we were actually I should just say like we were before we even got on here we were like just connecting and talking about what's going on in the world and then I started with fear and I was like man you, you know you can just get hit by a car walking across the street you're not going to not cross streets or leave your house you're going to look both ways and but stuff still happens and yeah. What so what happened to you? You got hit by a fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, so it was here in San Diego. I I, came, I moved to San Diego from the Central Coast to go to University of San Diego. I moved to L.A. I came back uh, a year later. It was a Saturday to see some girlfriends down in Ocean Beach for the weekend. And at the end of the eight freeway, I remember it vividly. It was it was a little later, nine o'clock at night or so. Um, I was super pumped to see some girlfriends from college, you know, we're going to spend the weekend together. I'm in my little kind of, you know, probably not the most uh, airbag ready Jetta um, <laughs> with no lap belt. And I get a green light at the end of the eight freeway. And I vividly remember thinking, this is my lucky day. I never get a green light coming off of the eight freeway going to OB. And I'm like pumping my little Bob Marley, you know, <laughs> music. And I, that's the last thing I remember. Uh, this fire truck ran through a red light. They were going way faster than legally they're allowed to go through a red light. I just didn't see or hear them. It was not exactly a blind intersection, but the way the intersection and the cars were stacked up, I just, I didn't see or hear them. So the next thing I remember is like 24 hours later in that UCSD hospital. Um, I, they literally had to get a, the jaws of life to take the roof of my car off, even to get me out of the car. I mean, it was that bad. I broke 27 bones in my arms, legs, and face. I have titanium everywhere. <laughs> like a robot. Um, and it took a long time to recover. They told me I'd never run again. I had run several marathons prior to that. Um, I was in a wheelchair for three months. I mean, at age 22, that's a pretty, you know, pretty jolting experience. Um, but Alex, that experience, and I'm sure, you know, you and your listeners have all been through something. We've all experienced yeah. something, sometimes emotional, sometimes physical, sometimes both. But it was that experience, not only for me, but my family and those people around me that, you know, and sometimes I just want to like wear a sticky note on my forehead that says like, life is short, like don't stress. I mean, we're going to come through things or we're not like you stressing about it is not going to change the outcome. And so that perspective it gave me at such a young age and I did recover and, you know, I did actually run one marathon about eight years after my car accident. Now I'm now I'm more into the half marathon thing. But, um, you know, it's just that perspective. Life is short. You know, just live every single day and take advantage. Don't be afraid. There's so much opportunity out there. I love that. It's and it seems like one of those things that in the moment you'd never want to happen. You'd never wish upon anyone, but it sounds like in hindsight and now in the future, you learn you've learned just like a ton from it. And like if you could go back 
you know, I love those questions where it's like, hey, if you could change things in your life, would you take that away or would it, would you keep it the way it was because of all that, you know, because of what you've done since? Absolutely. I wouldn't take it away. I mean, it's, it's made me who I am and it's, you know, made me probably a little bit more ambitious and, and appreciate life more. Um, so no, I, I definitely wouldn't take it back. I, I talk a lot, you know, both publicly and privately to people that, you know, I see, and I'm sure you do with your business as well. We're just stuck, right? It's like, this happened to me and that defines me, which is bullshit, right? Yes, mm -hmm. things happen to us, but it doesn't define who we are. We have a choice to then take that and use it to fuel us to do something else. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I see a lot of people that, that do use it as fuel and I see a lot of people who then just get stuck in that. And it's so unfortunate. Do you have like, let's look at that from a, you know, every, everywhere people are going through, right. most, it might not be a fire truck, but people everywhere are going through something. And as I kind of like to think, like if you didn't have something physically happen to you or something physically impact you, there's probably stuff like for me, the, the biggest obstacle that I often have is the obstacle in my brain that my mm -hmm. brain is just, it's just programmed and wired negatively. It is mm. mean to me. It's and, and that's the work I do, right? I'm not recovering from like a physical thing that somebody else might have had to, but I'm working on reprogramming my brain daily. And it's, it is, it's arduous and it's not fun always. And for 32 years of my life, I didn't, I just thought that's who I was. And that was the way it was always going to be. Mm. Um, what advice would you have for someone that is going through something like really traumatic or really serious you know, that they're in it right now? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm, you know, I'm not the expert on this. Um, so, you know, what I would just say is look at what the opportunity is, you know, look at the future there, you know, our bodies are amazing. Our brains are amazing. We can heal. We can, you know, choose different ways of thinking and, and build new neuropathways. But, you, you have to believe that that's possible. And I, I wish Alex, I had the formula for, for that. And, you know, I, like I said at the beginning, I think maybe I just got lucky, um, in my wiring or again, how I was raised, or I don't know, uh, if it's luck or it's experience or what it is. But, um, for me, uh, it's just looking towards opportunity in the future and just being really curious. I love to travel. I've been to 32 countries. I've got another 50 on my bucket list. I love experiencing different cultures, different ways of thinking. It just gives me such incredible perspective. And when I come home to San Diego, which I love San Diego so dearly, but it just, even in my own life, I mean, I was in the Philippines last year for three weeks and just the incredible generosity of that culture, but also the extreme poverty, um, their creativity and ingenuity. I mean, it just gives you such amazing perspective on your own life. So I guess, I guess I would say then just kind of get out and see other things and don't you know, I, sorry, last thing I'll say about yeah, this, no, I have great. so many friends that are 
they're, you know, they'll, they'll use this. Like I must go inside. I'm meditating all the time. I'm like in my head all the time. And I don't know that this is the right answer, but it's the right answer for me. I don't spend, you know, all, you know, this time in my head, so to speak, I get out, I go experience new things. I, you know, I, my meditation is running. Um, (laughs) so I don't know, maybe, maybe we're not all meant to just be in our head all the time. I, the, I wrote a blog post about this. I play music in my head constantly and (laughs) I, I don't know where I get this. My dad, I noticed and my aunt and different family members are constantly like kind of humming um, but I, I realized after talking to somebody who was talking about negative talk in their head, I'm like, that's strange. I'm like, I don't have that. And I'm like, probably because I have a full fledged band going on in my head all the time. Like I'm constantly singing songs in my head, so to speak. And maybe that is helping me sort of cut out the noise, if you will. Mm. Yeah. And I think like, I I like talking about the noise in my head because I know that there are like, I'm not the only one. I don't think any, any of us Mm. are whatever we're dealing with. Right. We're not the only one. And I, and I do know that like, there are one of my best friends, this very successful entrepreneur. When we talk, there's like a complete, we've known each other since we were kids. There's a clear disconnect between our challenges in the world. Mine's inside of my head. And his is like, he's kind of an eternal optimist always. Mm -hmm. And it's like, were we born that way? Maybe it was like in our, you know, in the way we were raised, who knows. Right. But I think I love that you, um, we all have to, we all have to overcome whatever our own obstacles. I think, I think I get caught up in like, I'll compare. I'll be like, man, is there something wrong Mm. with me? Because I can't get out of my head Mm -hmm. and, and you know, my buddy is, doing the things he's doing, but I don't actually know what's going on. I think that's a cool thing to remember. Like we don't know what's going on for those other people. Right. If I saw, sure. if I met you at Hera hub, like I wouldn't be like, man, this lady got hit by a fire truck. Yeah. The, I, just, and ta- <laughs> and talking to you, even, you know, one of the things I'm like really present to with you here is just how warm and humble and kind you are that you wouldn't think, and it's obviously this is just perception. It's not necessarily reality that I'm like, man, this, she, it just doesn't occur as someone who's having so much success. You're just like so warm and giving. And I think we don't, we don't actually ever know what's going on for anyone else on the good or the, or the bad. If, if I'm going to put them in boxes, um, I want to, yeah, two, two things real quick on that before we move on. If I may, Alex, um, you know, I don't want to paint a rosy picture of business too. I love Gary V because he's so real about business is freaking hard. Like every single day you're figuring it out. So yes, it may seem like, Oh, all the success. And, and yes, I've worked my tail off to reach any success that we've had, but every day, you know, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm making mistakes. I'm, you know, realizing I'm not the best manager in the world. I need to figure that out. I mean, there's so many opportunities to grow. Um, so again, I don't want to, you know, paint like a completely like, oh, this is easy. Just, you know, throw up a business and you know, do your thing. Um, and last thing, just for fun, I'm going to challenge you, yeah, Alex, please. to try this on for size. So the next time you find yourself like kind of in your head, like literally, you know, figuratively, however you want to, you know, do it, like 
visualize pulling out a record or an mp3 or whatever and like play a song in your head and see if you're able to still have those thoughts while you're playing that song it's a really it's so cool that you would bring that idea today because last night i had this thought that the music i'm listening to at times makes me sad Mm. and I think that's a that's clearly not just me because there's lots of sad music. So and sure. some of the most popular songs are sad songs. And I but I had this thought and I was like, man, I'm choosing to listen to something that's making me sad. And I think it's that's our ego at work, like perfectly displayed. Like we don't even realize it's happening. And mm. so this morning when I got in my car on the way to the studio, I actually started it last night, but I, I consciously did it first thing this morning. I went, what music makes me happy? Like, mm. And the first thing I got taken back to was like, I'm 38. When I was in college and high school, there were certain like rappers and kind of poppy rap music that mm-hmm. just made me so happy. And I went on to Spotify and I like found like one artist that then just, you know, linked to a different one, a different one. And it took me back. I don't remember how happy I was then, but what I knew is like, I'm driving in and I'm listening to this music that took me to a whole nother place, put me in a whole nother space in my head and completely shifted how I showed up this morning at the podcast studio. Awesome. I love to hear that. That's great. Yeah. So, pick that favorite song and just throw it on repeat for mine. It's uh, a lot of Coldplay. Mm-hmm. Um, Coldplay's and, so sad to me. And the, yeah. <laughs> and, and the, uh, you know, sky full of stars. Like sometimes that's on repeat in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just upbeat, like kind of opera you know, just seeing opportunities, seeing, you know, the future, that type of thing. So yes, that's my challenge to you. I love it. And I think, I think the two things is like, if you can't for anyone that loves this challenge also, right. My immediate thought is like, well, I don't pull music up in my head. That's like not how, and I can practice it. And if I'm struggling, I can also go, I can use the thought as a moment to go grab actual music. Like yeah, I, I, I can do it in combination. It doesn't have to be <laughs> yeah. one or the other. I've never been a person who, I don't know if you've ever done any like meditation where they're like, visualize yourself in a meadow. And, I, no. and, I, and I'm like, I, it's, <laughs> it's just black. I don't. Not my no, thing. Yeah. I yeah. cannot meditate. <laughs> I'm so just going to own that. <laughs> I meditate a lot, but I'm not a, um, I, I want to say I'm not like a vision, like my brain doesn't work in that visual medium. Like mm-hmm. at least it's not practice. Maybe it does. And I just haven't used that muscle. But when someone I'm in a meditation, they're like, you know, visualize the ocean. And I'm like, I don't see, it's just black. My eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. <laughs> and I think the same thing is when you say pick a song, I'm like, my brain is like, I, that's not how it works. But Fair I enough. think you can do things. I love the idea that you can practice it and do things. So sometimes I do to do the ocean thing, I'll actually meditate at the water mm-hmm. and hearing the water helps me visualize it. Yeah. And so it's like, sometimes I think as a coach, people, we write things off immediately is like, well, I can't do that. Or I can't do this because of, and then it's like, well, there might be little ways to try it. Like I might not be able to pull that song up out of my head like you can, but if I put the song on or I start practicing it, you know, who knows a month from now, I might totally be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. If fair enough. And and you're right. Me saying I don't meditate is, <laughs> you know, it is honestly, I, I'm a type A, I like to move. So as I said, running is my meditation. I don't run with music. 
I run with my two crazy dogs. I can't even put music on if I wanted to, because half the time I'm running in the street and I get hit by a car if I had music on. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's different for everybody, whatever works for you. Is there anything that you feel like, you know, you're, I want to say you're like in the hotbed of entrepreneurship. You know, if you're in a WeWork, you know, Hera Hub, like these are places where entrepreneurs and small businesses are coming to really like grow and prosper and work together and connect. And is there anything that you feel like you have been noticing or, you know, almost like want to get on a soapbox that you feel like it would be important to share or talk about based on like where you, you know, I want to say you're like in the trenches of entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be an obvious one. It's find community. Don't do it alone. Don't sit in your spare bedroom or your dining room table day after day and not get out and connect, whether that's a networking event or a mastermind or a coaching group or a co-working space. Find community, find your tribe. I see so many entrepreneurs that give up because they miss having those connections. They go back into the world of corporate because they're lonely, frankly. I mean, we have a loneliness epidemic happening in this country. So just get out and connect and find that community. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think if you don't have a place like, a, you know, like a Hera Hub near you or a WeWork or anything like that, there's how can you do it? I do a lot of mine online like phone calls and Zooms with other coaches, other entrepreneurs that I know that will be like, hey, let's hop on the phone for two hours and we'll like leave the screen and we can connect and support each other and we can also get to work on some things. And I don't think there's a substitute. There's not, you can't substitute that for real, like being with no. another human being. No. But it's another point to like, hey, if you can't, you know, for if, if where you are is limiting or maybe you're somewhere, you know, you live remotely, like there aren't a lot of places around you. It's an hour to get to something like this. There are alternatives. And so I think I love what you point out, like community is the key. How do you create community wherever you are? Maybe it's a yep. networking, maybe it's a, a place like a Hera Hub, maybe it's getting people on a Zoom. But I, I totally, yeah. I love that. Absolutely. So I, I didn't make this up. This was part of a study that was done. And the, the phrase that came out of the study was co-working is the new church. Mm. Um, because, you know, we, we obviously are moving away from some of those uh, structures, uh, you know, especially the next generation. And so where do you go to get that community and co-working spaces are filling that void for some people? Let's really quick that give some people like advice on that then. Cause I've been to a few that I, without naming names, I didn't love. I felt like they were more social than a balance. Uh, how do people go? If, if there's a hair hub, go check that out first. If there's not one nearby or where they live, how do they identify? Like what are ways to figure out like what's the best co-working space? Just go experience it. Go in for the day. Uh, you know, almost every co-working space, us included, will give you at least a day pass to just go in and experience it um, and see if it's the right fit for you. Most co-working spaces, too, don't rope you into an annual contract like executive suites do. So, you know, maybe you do try it uh, for a month or two and see if it's a good fit. Um, but there's really no you know, it's a feeling, right? You walk in and there's this feeling in the space 
most people that walk into Hera Hub either know it's right for them almost when they walk in or not, frankly, because we've yeah. created such a, a feeling and an environment that, that tells them this is for you or it's not. Um, so just, I would say, get out and try them. Nice. Is there anything else you want to leave people with? I love the things you've brought. You've brought so much value and, and like just tips and advice. And I love that you brought in your own personal, some of your own personal experiences into this conversation. Is there anything that you're, anything else that you're like, I want to leave uh, like budding entrepreneurs or people that are challenged by something with before we, we wrap up today? Yeah, I think it's a twofold thing. Um, I always, my, my phrase that I love is regret is the most pointless emotion. Uh, regretting something that you did or didn't do, it, it's it's frankly irrelevant because you are where you are right now. And the the sort of opposite side of that coin is, and maybe not opposite, maybe extension of that is just go for it. I meet so many people who are so miserable in corporate. They so want to get out of their job and start something, whether it's a full-fledged business, a, you know, a freelance business, whatever it is. They just want out, do it. Life is too short, right? You don't want to regret, <laughs> not that you should regret, but you don't want to look back and say, I didn't take those opportunities. Um, and so just, just get out there and do it and, and try new things, explore, travel, have fun, play music in your head, dance in the street. <laughs> I love that. So perfectly full circle from where we started. So People should definitely go to Hera Hub, and I want to spell that, like herahub.com, so they can find out more, find out where it is, uh, H-E-R-A-H-U-B.com. If people want, is there a way, are you on social media? Can people follow you if they want to, to reach out to you from this? Can they do that? Absolutely. Super easy. Uh, all our channels are the same, Hera Hub, and then myself personally, um, everything is my first and last name. Awesome. So Felina Hansen, F-E-L-E-N-A-H-A-N-S-O-N. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Um, thanks for having an impact, right? That's how I got to find out who you were, is you have an impact on somebody that we both know. And when they, when I met them and we got to know each other, they were like, you have to meet this woman. And it's been such a pleasure having you on Their Your kindness, your humbleness, your generosity just so shines through. So thanks for being out in the world, creating a, an actual space, um, <laughs> but an actual space and an energy and a vibration that's changing the, not only the lives of women, but you said there's a few men, but also really for the communities that you're putting your energy into. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. And that's another episode of the Dream Mason podcast. Thanks. And uh, please subscribe and review and like it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.